It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder are leaving L.A. winless. Is there a fix to this 0-2 skid? We'll talk about it on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder falling to the Clippers. SGA and Chet have their worst games of the season offensively. J-Dub. Looks like an all-star. Could he possibly sneak in? We'll talk about that. Plus, playing Aaron Wiggins works. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet by visiting FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. So the Thunder were fully healthy entering this game. Clippers were missing Zubak. But remember, the Thunder lost to the Lakers yesterday. Second night of a back-to-back today, five games in seven days. This was a grind. This has been a slog of a January. The fact the Thunder have played this well record-wise in January is a testament to how good they've been this year as a young team. It's really hard to get worked up or up in arms about a loss like this. This was good basketball from each team. It would also, though, be disingenuous to ask you to subscribe, like, review, listen every day to a Thunder podcast, and then tell you, eh, it's just one game, right? So there's a little bit of a good balance of both, of acknowledging it is one game, acknowledging the bigger picture while also getting into the weeds, because that's why you're here. That's why you listen every day. I appreciate you so much. But this game, the biggest picture of this game is that it was good basketball. Like this was a quality game on TNT. The Clippers hit a ton of tough, tough shots. And when your opponent is hitting tough shots, any sort of lapse or like a gimme possession feels that much more deflating, feels that much more impactful. The biggest difference in these two teams, I think, was just the Clippers showed their maturity. They showed their ability to handle runs. Every time the Thunder went on a run, Ty Lue calls a timeout. It squashes the momentum. Clippers extend their lead back up, keeping OKC at an arm's length. You saw the 9-0 run by OKC was squandered. You saw you saw OKC's first lead in against LA uh, since the first quarter in the fourth quarter. After that, they went on 12 or 17 to two run uh, to really put the dagger in OKC. The big thing was that like, this was a Clippers team who's been through the test, maybe not as a collective unit, but individually. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, you know, Kawhi. James Harden, they've played NBA basketball 
for quite some time, and they understand what it's like to to win these games that are full of kind of swings. And the Thunder, I think, are still learning how to carry momentum. It's one of the hardest things to do in sports, especially in basketball, to carry that momentum whenever basketball in and of itself and its nature is a game of runs. And when the momentum is all on 18, it's not on thousands. When you're on the road, all of your juice or all of your energy comes from the 18 guys on the sidelines. You've got to create it yourself. When you're at home and you're hitting big shots, you can feed off of the home crowd. That's not the case on the road. So it really takes a a a concerted effort to extend runs, to extend good play, and to get games turned around whenever you feel kind of sluggish. I think there's also an element of this where like, hey, the Clippers are just really good. Like Kawhi is the perfect player to defend SGA down the stretch. Kawhi is also the perfect player to defend any player because he's one of the best defenders in the world uh, and one of the best defenders ever. So, you know, Kawhi is just great. But specifically SGA, he has the length, he has the size, he has the mobility, he has everything you need to defend SGA down the stretch. And that's very, very, very rare. We rarely see a player who can match up and guard SGA. And then you look and you see Paul George looking like MVP PG again with some tough shot making where if you contested it anymore, it would be a foul. And sometimes it's just your night. Like sometimes you just have nights where you're this locked in and you're able to take over games and score at all three levels and the hand in your face doesn't matter. And as a defense, you just kind of have to tip your cap to Paul George. I I feel comfortable that there was nothing more the Thunder could have done to slow down Paul George. This was just a Paul George night. And then you go on these back-breaking sequences where you had the Paul George and one. Kawhi just swallows up an SGA mid-range. Paul George three. Kawhi free throw. It's just things like that that allowed the Clippers to come away with this game. So like the biggest difference, I, I think, was maturity of how to handle the game being uh, ran in bunches while mixing that with the thunder did look gassed. You know, they looked, they looked out of it. It's the second night of a back-to-back. We mentioned the tough January. We mentioned the condensed schedule uh, playing games. What feels like every other night uh, in Oklahoma city, because you're relying on a lot of players who have, who have not gone through an 82 game cycle period. Like they are pushed past their previous limits limits. You also rely on players who have not gone through an 82 game season where it's this taxing, where they're playing this role, they're demanded this much out of them in the 82-game stretch. So having nights like this is not a surprise. You can go back and and, and look at everyone who's ever discussed the Thunder um, in their discussions on Jan 1st after wishing Happy New Year was about how difficult this was going to be in January with the road, with the back-to-backs, and, and everything else. And then, no matter who you play, I don't care if you play in the rec center, or if you play game one or game 82 or the NBA finals, no setting, no game. Are you going to be able to overcome SG and Chet Holmgren playing that poorly offensively? It's just not something that you can do if you're OKC. And you look around the NBA, you know, your top two guys shoot the way OKC shot with their top two guys. You translate that to Tatum and Brown or translate that to Luka and Kyrie or translate that to any of these top guys, if Kawhi and Paul George shot the way Chet and SGA shot, they would not have won this game. Like So like you're just not going to win games whenever your, your, your stars have nights like this, and they're going to have nights like this. Every player in the NBA does. The Clippers were also more physical and more aggressive than OKC. 
And I think that people conflate this with the Thunder have to rush out and change how they play and change their roster. The bottom line is, when you look at this team, we've talked about the maturity and experience. They physically cannot change that. We've talked about the physicality and aggression. They can change that by going out and trading for bruisers. However, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this Thunder team, no matter what they do in a month at the deadline, this Thunder team will be reliant on these same players who are not playing up to the physicality and aggression level uh, night in and night out that it takes to be in the NBA. I think that a lot of that is due to figuring out what it takes to play night in and night out, figuring out how to use their body in a more physical way. Like look at J-Dub and the way that he uh, has grown in that element of using his body to bump off defenders and create space for himself. Like you, you just learn these things as you play and as you go through it and as you experience it. So the Thunder can go trade for whoever bruiser you want, but the vast bulk of this team will still be these same guys who you're complaining about their physicality, you're complaining about their aggression. And then one or two guys is not going to, you know, is not going to be carrying the load in that department. The Thunder have tried to lean on one or two guys physically already. You know, but but Kenneth Williams can only do so much. Like he, 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 you know, has been relied upon as having that dog in him. And you can go get better bruisers than Kenneth Williams in terms of like just frame and size. But still, like I'm saying, if you go get one or two of those guys, you still have a large group of guys over here who are more important and will play more minutes and will play a bigger role that still have to figure this thing out. So they've just got to learn to deal with it and learn to get better at it. And they will. That's part of development. That's part of being so young. So a, a trade could patch a hole, but a band-aid doesn't fix a bullet hole. It's not, it's not going to, to be some just earth-shattering revelation at the deadline that changes things for OKC. It's going to be these players growing up both literally, like literally growing into their body. J-Dub looks brand new compared to last year physically. And also just understanding how to create the advantage with your size. Like look at Micic. Micic uses his body so well. No one would confuse him with a, a Greek god physically, but he uses his physicality that he does have uh, to create finishes at the rim uh, by, by using his strengths that he does have. So you know, it's just learning tips and tricks like that as you mature as a basketball player. There's, that's going to be the difference for OKC versus rushing out to make some trade. That being said, the Thunder still should make a trade at the deadline. I still think the Thunder will make a trade at the deadline to improve their team, improve the rebounding, improve the physicality, and it will help. And they should go get help. But it's not going to fix everything, right? You still have to have everyone else learn to play with this physicality that, that is required of them in the NBA. So I, I think that we can kind of confuse that there's some magic elixir for this. The Thunder route rebounded 50 to 43. They turned it over 12 times. LA only turned it over nine times. Both teams had 40 points in the paint. Typically, the Thunder dominate that category. Uh, OKC lost second chance points, 21-14. Pretty typical. They won fast break points, but only by two. Typically, OKC dominates that category. And this is why I think that, like, at the end of the day, it, it sucks coming off of a, a Lakers game where the Thunder didn't have their best shot. But this was just a good basketball game back and forth. The Thunder shot 50% from the floor. They shot 47% from three. They shot 85% from the line. You turn that in, with your, especially with uh, how poor, like, SJ and Chet played uh, overall offensively, that's a really good night of basketball for OKC. It just so happens that the Clippers shot 54%, 46%, and then they were bad at the free throw line, 61%. But had some bad defensive lapses, which is expected on the second night of back-to-back, -back, but overall played really good defense. Paul George just got loose 
for 38 points. Russ had 11 and played some really good defense, uh, you know, in, in, in a short dose. Kawhi had 16. Miles Plumley had 14. Like the, the Clippers just were better on tonight. Uh, but there are some things, of course, to address like we did just there. Let's talk J-Dub. Becoming an all-star right before our eyes. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at eBay Motors. Check them out today at eBay Motors because eBay Motors is going to find you the perfect fit for your ride. Passion drives with the presence and the patience to help you get back to your winning trophies on your ride or die car. So eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle. And that's what allows you to have the passion and, and the patience and the drive to fix your vehicle because it allows you to find all the parts you need from uh, superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits to LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from, your number one ride or die, you'll always have exactly what you need when you're looking at eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit. I love it personally because I don't know anything about cars and I don't have to. I just have to know my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions to apply. eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit is only available for U.S. customers. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Go check out the Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel. It's the national coverage, 24-7, wall-to-wall coverage of all the local stories with our local experts and also our national shows thrown in there as well. It's the only 24-7 streaming service, uh, streaming platform, streaming show uh, that covers all the national topics uh, for 24 hours in a row consecutively because it's something that only the Lockdown Podcast Network can do with everything that we cover. J-Dub, what a game from him. What a bright spot he was. 25 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 for 3 from 3, 71% from the floor, 7 first quarter points in just 8 minutes, 12 fourth quarter points in 10 minutes. I point those two quarters out because typically we do see the, the second quarter take over, the fourth quarter take over uh, in the minutes without, without SGA. But that first quarter, Jadab did a really good job of, of making himself a play finisher off of SGA chances and also aligning himself more with just being more comfortable taking shots and 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 uh, playing off of SGA. He shows you just how good he can be and that all-star player that he is. He is flatly playing like an all-star this year. He is an all-star caliber player in general. You've seen that la- uh, last year at the Flashes. You see it this year with his production, uh, you know, and his awesome play. J-Dub is an all-star. Now, the all-star game, as we've seen in Oklahoma City, has politics involved. SGA missed out on all-star because of a lifetime achievement award. So, like, the, the all-star game is not exactly, you know, making the team is not exactly the barometer of success because a lot of factors play into it. There's also politics involved of just being too good of a team where, you know, if you already have SGA in the all-star game, uh, you know, that's one. You'll be lucky to get two, and you'll be really, really, really lucky to get three. You got to be the best team in the NBA, likely, uh, to get three. And, uh, you know, as history shows us. So, will he make the All Star team this year? I, I would doubt it. Uh, will he make an All Star team in his career? He, he certainly will. Uh, and I think that he's already, though, playing at an All Star caliber level, just like in Oklahoma City. We knew SGA was playing at that All Star level the past few seasons. It took until last year to actually get the nod for him. Uh, 25.7 assists, three boards, two for three from three, 71% from the floor. What I think you see from SGA is that, I mean, sorry, from, from J-Dub is that 
when he's able to be that playmaker role, he kind of falls back into his more natural habitat. It is so natural to watch to watch Jada play the lead guard position because that's what he did at Santa Clara. That's what he's done you know, his whole life. And anyone who doesn't think that Jada was comfortable with the ball in his hand just has not scouted Jada and has not watched Jada at all. His ability to flip back and forth is unique. The fact that he can be a play finisher off of Shea and then also take charge in the same game is impressive. As a playmaker, the way he handles a blitz off the pick and roll, the way he manipulates defenses shading over toward him, the way he reads where the help is coming from to know where the ball should swing next, the way he can wait till the last second to bail out of drives once the defense commits. Those are all things that it takes young guards a long time to learn, and J-Dub just has it built in. It is just it is just intuitive for him. I think I used that word right. I'm not really sure. But overall, you can watch game after game, J-Dub get better and better right before your eyes, always taking a step forward. He is so good at using his body to his advantage and lowering the shoulder, initiating contact to create space for a mid-range elbow jumper, to create space at the rim like he did against Gogapatazia where he just knocked them totally off the restricted circle uh, and finished for the N1. And then as a playmaker, he can make every pass. He, he makes the lob to Chet. He makes a beautiful bounce pass right in between traffic to a cutting uh, Wiggins. He makes every pass there is on the court. He tried to baptize Daniel Tice, which was called for a foul eventually. Didn't actually result in anything. But trying that play alone gives the Thunder a spark. And whenever you're on the road and have to manufacture your own sparks, it's worth trying uh, that opportunity out. Uh, I think that the two-man game is getting better between him and Chet as, as each game passes by. Him and Wiggins have a nice connection as well. We'll talk about playing Wiggins more because you know uh, how I feel about that. He runs the floor so well in transition. And you look at him and you just wonder what can't he do? Because I think that he's uh, he was an underrated defender last year. He's improved at that category this year uh, as a defender. And there's just no contesting him in the mid-range right now. He is on fire shooting the basketball. His shooting splits have gotten better. Many worried about uh, his added bulk. Typically, the old wise tale is that you know when you when you add bulk, your shot suffers. That's not been the case. He's gotten better. He's gotten better touch at all three levels. Uh, and it's really paid off for him. So him him learning to to fill out his role has been awesome for OKC. And the and the fact that the Thunder have drafted a player who's not one dimensional, not two dimensional, but not even one dimensional in the sense of like the roles you can put him in. He can do any role you ask of him. He can be your lead guard, your number two guard, your backup point guard. He can be your power forward. He can be your wing. He can do whatever it takes. And the way he's shooting right now, he can be your catch and shoot option. Uh, which has been something that he's also uh, been able to finish plays with. So uh, he's been awesome. Now, Chet Holmgren and SGA, they, they obviously struggled. There were some positives from it from Chet Holmgren. I think that you saw a couple of times on Harden where he he read a screen beautifully, stepped up off the hedge uh, to contest Harden, and he contested to Harden step backs the best you could, the best you can ever ask anyone to do. And Harden goes one for two in those chances, but the but the make was a was a greatly contested one. And the reason why Chet is an elite defender is that you can trust him on those islands because he has the length and the size to recover if he gets blown by. He might not get blown by. We've seen him defend in space before against Steph, against Harden, against these guys. We've seen him defend in space and he's done really well. But if he did get blown by, the play's not over. You're not throwing your hands up and saying, well, that's an easy two points because you can never really count him out as a recovery block. And we can see what he does at the rim. But overall, he looked gassed. This was the first game where I think he really did get out 
physical uh, to to a extremely noticeable degree. Um, and OKC's offense just swings through check shooting. That's a lot of uh, uh, pressure to put on a rookie. That that is that is very very demanding and something that is rare to have like your entire offense flow through. Uh, if a rookie can shoot the ball and, and, and somewhat unfair to a single player, but that's the reality. The reality is, you know, Chet is already one of the best players on this roster. And and when he shoots the ball, well, the Thunder really cook offensively when he doesn't, the Thunder struggle offensively. Uh, this was the worst game of his, of his season uh, by leaps and bounds. I think he tried the self oop again, got fouled, tried the step through. And, and this is where I think that, you know, you, you see some, um, you know, players catching on to, to what tendencies other players have. He tries to step through it, clears out his defender, but Terrence Mann was ready in rotation to swat it away. Uh, I saw some people saying that he should have dunked that. He could not have dunked that from that, from that position. That was just a heck of a play by Mann, a heck of an awareness play by Mann to, to stay uh, locked into that play and realize what Chet was trying to do. Two for 10 from the floor, 0 for 2 from 3. Five assists, five rebounds, a block, a turnover, four fouls, eight points. I, I thought that you know one of the only negatives defensively was that he went in the air early a few times, which he's typically been good at not doing so far in his rookie year. I don't have any worries that that will continue. Uh, you know, Russ got him in the air early for a foul. I, I don't think that that'll be a, a glaring thing that, that will happen to him often, but he did happen to him today. And then SGA just looks sluggish, a step slow. Like we said, Kawhi's a bad matchup for him um, on those handful of possessions. But it, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. I think it's a mixture of um, you know, good defense by the Clippers, high usage over a tough stretch, regardless of how his knee feels. Just the stretch alone would be hard on any player like SGA who's been uh, demand that the score as much as him and, and use as much as him. Uh, but certainly the knee can't be helping. Like it cannot be a good thing that, that the knee got banged against Orlando. Uh, but I, I believe that the Thunder would not put him out there unless he's fully healthy. It's just, it just so happens that like two of his lower, lower standard games happened after he was listed as questionable uh, that that has people concerned over three from three, 19 points, two rebounds, four assists. He had, you know, an unreal bucket, uh, you know, in the mid-range falling away. Uh, he had some and ones that were awesome, but overall just did not have it um, in, in this game. And, and that's going to happen. And it did happen to him today. But the Thunder also had Aaron Wiggins playing today, which you know makes me excited. And yes, we're going to talk about Aaron Wiggins coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at BetterHelp. Check it out today because BetterHelp.com slash NBA has you covered for what you need. So if, if you've been talking about or wanting to try therapy and you believe that that can be, um, you know, a, a positive step for you to empower yourself, but what's holding you back has been time has been having to go to an official building has been finding a therapist and carving out that, that opportunity to leave the house and go with your busy schedule, whether you're working or family obligations or all the above, um, better help is here for you because they craft everything around your schedule. It's all online. And what they do is they have you fill out this questionnaire. They matched you with a licensed therapist. And then boom, away you go. If you don't happen to like the therapist you're matched up with, no problem. You can just get a new therapist until you find the right one. No extra charge because they want you to be matched with a therapist that you feel comfortable with and confident in your journey with. And so you can go and empower yourself uh, to build on some great habits that you already have. And then maybe start to start to branch out and, and, and help lift up other areas too as well. So. Check it out today at BetterHelp. They're going to help you out today at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's see right now, too, about our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is here for you. It's the perfect time to try out FanDuel. I say that because the NBA is happening. College basketball is happening. What a day of college basketball, by the way, uh, yesterday. 
NHL is happening, but also the NFL playoffs still in full force. My Chiefs still in it in the divisional round. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Place that $5 bet, win or lose, you get 150 bucks guaranteed. That's fandle.com slash locked on. When you do, you can bet on a multitude of games, including all those sports we mentioned. Let's stick with the NBA. The Pistons are 11.5 point underdogs at home to Minnesota. You can take either side of that one if you want. You can also gander on over to the Mavericks and Lakers. Mavericks, three-point underdogs. Maybe you want to go with Dallas in that one with their high-powered offense with Luka and Kyrie. So check it out today at fandle.com slash locked on, fandle.com slash locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Playing Aaron Wiggins every day should be the staple for the Thunder. He technically didn't get first quarter minutes, but overall, he was great. Great cuts. Dub found them on a bounce pass. Um, great defensive harden that leads to a fast break, two-on-one. He runs it to perfection, forces the defense to commit, gets it over to Micic, and one for Micic. Uh, runs the floor very well in transition. Uh, had a steal in the passing window that set up Dub and uh, uh, Dub's lob to Chet. Working in the dunker spot and just finding the open hardwood are two of his biggest strengths. And two things that Thunder desperately need is they need that safety valve in that second unit whenever you're you're tasking Jada with running it, you're tasking Vasa with for running it, you're tasking Chet at times for running it. They need that safety valve, and Wiggins, with his relocation, always finds where to be as that safety net for uh, the playmakers. And in this case, it was Chet who, who drove into the paint uh, calmly, forced the defense to step up and commit to him in the middle of the paint. He rises up, dumps it off to Wiggins, boom, in the dunker spot behind the action for the score. So Wiggins was really, really good in this contest. And I, I just think that every time he plays, you see how impactful he is. You see um, how, how good he is and how he literally saved basketball as the old adage goes, but Wiggins seven points off the bench in 16 minutes, four rebounds, two assists and a steal. I played really good defense and was a plus four in this game. I think that with the cards on the table, there is no excuse to not play Wiggins every single night. He's, 25 years old, he is healthy, he is a good basketball player, and he's proven more than a lot of the other players in, in the rotation. And, and I think that uh, you know he, he is a solid, solid contributor and a solid, positive basketball player. Uh, and I think he can play against every matchup that there is. So I, I think that Wiggins should get more, but you know my thoughts on that. Isaiah Joe really turned around his shooting night. He's been kind of in a slump. It was highlighted by 0 for 5 against L.A., Five for six tonight from three, 15 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals. His ability to body up defensively and grab boards changes things for OKC, especially when he's hitting from beyond the arc because it really hurts how you can guard them. Lou Dort also hitting from beyond the arc, five for five for eight, hurts how you can guard them. How about this for Casey Wallace? Two games, he blocks LeBron, he stifles Harden, steal and slam, 
really cool. Like, like him competing and winning matchups with LeBron and James Harden continue to show why he is going to be an elite defender in the NBA. He is going to be an elite defender in the NBA. Uh, Josh Giddy one for three from three, not changing how teams guard Josh Giddy. And that's not a knock on Josh Giddy. It's just that like Josh Giddy can shoot 40% from three. If you're only going to shoot three, four, five times a night, they're still going to be comfortable with that, sticking the big man on you. What's going to help change that is getting better at finishing at the rim. She did have a couple good rim finishes. He's getting better in terms of uh, his tactics of getting separation when in the paint. That has to continue to come around. I think what's been fantastic for Josh Giddy has been his defense. His body positioning is so much better, which is allowing him to like literally see what's in front of him. Uh, you know, playing more with his back to the baseline is helping him more see the floor of where he needs to be, where he needs to rotate, and he's doing it uh, at a really high clip as a team defender. Don't be confused. He's not ever going to be a point of attack defender. And if any team in the entire world needs Josh Giddy to be a point of attack defender, they are not constructed right. But he can thrive in a team defense concept that keep him on the floor. And he's gotten better and better and better at that to where he is a good team defender at this point over this last month stretch, uh, you know, especially this last week stretch um, you know, as, a, as a team defender. So he's playing the gaps better. He's helping better and playing the passing lanes better. It's just that the offense is going to have to come around. Uh, especially finishing at the rim like that. He's got to find a way to finish inside the arc, either with the mid range. Uh, he had one that was kind of just had to be forced up where it's a kind of a dirk fade that, that he's hitting FIBA before he's hitting the NBA before but that was a tough dirk fade. It was not kind of a, it didn't look like a pre-planned one. It just looked like, Hey, it's kind of the, the, the point of the possession where you have to get a shot up and he did. Uh, but, but overall uh, obviously you can shoot better than tonight than he did in the paint. And I think that that is going to be the difference for him. I don't think the difference is three point shooting. Like we've seen him go on a really sustained run of shooting 40% from three. The, the, the defense does not care as we predicted before the season started, as we predicted in FIBA. It does not, there's no one cares because they shouldn't, if you're only going to be able to shoot it four or five times and that's, it's not Giddy's fault. Like Giddy, Giddy's just not going to get the opportunity to shoot 10, 12, 13 times a game. And if he did, he wouldn't be shooting 40% from three. So you got to kind of balance that out. I, I, I still believe that there's a role for Josh Giddy to be a really high level basketball player in the NBA. Um, we'll see what that looks like as the season progresses and, and you kind of adjust to um, this kind of style of play. I think that Mark does a really good job of pointing out how new this is for him. He's still 21 years old. He's still in his third year in the NBA. He still has not played a ton of basketball in the sense of like, especially this strategy. This is the first year where like he's being guarded by fives. He's being left alone. It is jarring. It is different. Uh, and it's something that he has to be able to adjust to. And I think that he'll be able to adjust to because of what we've seen from him to this point in his NBA career and NBL career and FIBA career of how well he is at adjusting to these type of things. But you got to give him time to adjust. And, and and time is not a month. Like Time is is time. That didn't make a lot of sense, but time is time. I liked it anyway. Avasa figuring things out, playing, uh, you know, probing the, the lane better as a dribbler uh, and, and a more willing offensive kind of a partner, so to say. Like he was trying some things that earlier in his opportunities in the NBA, he wasn't really trying with the, like the pass fake drive finish through contact. He did that really well. Ross is going to continue to get NBA minutes. Uh, Kinrich, you know, Kinrich uh, hit, hit a huge three for OKC, which was, which was good for them uh, to, to break a cold spell. But overall, I'm, I'm interested to see when the Kinrich turnaround happens. Not if I think that Kinrich will for sure, 
uh, get it turned around offensively. Defensively, four defensive boards, six rebounds total, a steal and a block. He's still playing really physically on that end of the floor. One of the few you know, physical options OKC has uh, down low. So, so I'm interested to see when that offense turns around because I know that it will. We're going to read your takeaways from this game on tomorrow's show as well as do Stockwatch. Stockwatch is back going through all 15 players on this roster. Are they trending up? Are they trending down? We'll discuss that. The song of this game, Leaving LA by Father John Misty. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 